When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to Tax Able with Natasha Heron. Welcome back to Series 2 of Tax Able with Tash. During this season, I would take you on a deep dive into 12 different industries. Each industry has its own tax consideration and complexities. Together, we will discuss key points to help you feel empowered about tax for your business. In addition to the weekly episodes, I've interviewed a key player within that industry. Want to know how they've achieved their success? Or see whether their journey is similar to yours? Well, make sure you tune in each week. Hello and welcome to Tax Able. Today we are taking a deep dive into the property industry, specifically looking at tax considerations for estate agents. Estate agents, you're like Marmite, as historically cowboys in the industry have given you a bad rep. But one way to change people's minds is to provide a good service, and tax can help. Typically, a business will have two main income streams. You'll receive management fees from your property landlords or commissions for sales of new or used properties. The two industries work hand in hand as when lettings are booming, property sales are usually declining. That's why businesses usually have a mix of both. We'll split today into two parts. First of all, we'll look at the day-to-day operation considerations, And lastly, we'll look at the client considerations. So operations. What do you need to think about? Well, commission payments. This is relevant to your property sales, as if your staff are due commission, it will be recorded in the company's accounts as an amount owed. We call this accruing the expense. However, for tax purposes, if you accrue for a commission and they're not paid within nine months of your year end, you will be taxed on this amount. Hopefully it will not be a frequent occurrence as most sales do not take nine months to complete, but you may have had a few issues over the pandemic. And also be mindful if you're pushing for sales around your year end. Some other costs you may not be aware of that you can claim are, well, the world has changed. Businesses are moving online. If you have taken up virtual viewings or are considering developing your website to cater for this, all the costs are deductible. Next are business expenses paid for personally. This is something that everyone overlooks and you need to make sure that you as the owner and your staff claim for their business expenses. These are items you pay for personally, but may or may not know that you can claim them. We'll look at the different categories. The first one is business mileage. HMRC have standard flat rates you can claim, which include fuel, insurance and wear and tear. For example, for a petrol car, the rates are 45p for the first 10,000 miles and 25p thereafter. Anything above this is classed as a benefit in kind and is taxed on the employee. If you pay below this amount, then the employee can make a personal claim to HMRC. Most people tend to pay just the standard flat rates as it doesn't cause any headaches further down the line. And remember, you can claim business mileage on cars that your employees or you own personally and use for a business purpose. Other costs you may not know that you can claim are parking, 
hotels, taxis, entertaining, and that's taking any clients or staff out for any sort of hospitality, subsistence, which is your coffees or lunches while out for a business purpose. If you do not claim for these, you're paying for business expenses out of your tax to pay. The expenses are refunded in full and are tax deductible. You will need to make sure that you keep certain records and these are required whether they're paid for personally or by the business. For business mileage, you need a mileage log. And this means you need to record certain information such as the date, the mileage of the trip, the destination and the travel purpose. For entertaining, HMRC will look at whether the meeting or event was actually for a private reason. So we recommend keeping a diary either digital or physical to record who you met with, the reason for the meeting, where you went and any other information which may show that it was actually a business meeting. If you do get an inquiry, HMRC usually asks for an extract from this diary as evidence. Next, let's look at how you can reward your staff. Well, you can do the usual thing, you can give them a bonus. This will be taxed through payroll, so they will lose a chunk of it to income tax, national insurance, pension, and potentially even student loan. You can also give them gifts. Not trivial gifts are taxed on the employee and the employer, whereas trivial gifts are exempt from income tax, national insurance, and avoid any consequences for you, the employer, and on your employees. So what are trivial gifts? They have to meet certain requirements and we'll go through those now. The gift must not be a cash or cash voucher. The cost of the benefit does not exceed £50 including VAT for each employee. It's not provided under a salary sacrifice or other arrangement. It's not in recognition of a particular past or future service. And there's no limit on the number of trivial gifts that can be made to an employee during the year. You need to record your reasons for any trivial gifts, either your board minutes or your records, or you can simply send an email to HR. Now, what's examples of trivial gifts? Well, it can be taking a group of employees out for a meal to celebrate a birthday, buying each employee a Christmas present or a birthday present, flowers on the new birth of a baby, so any bottles of wine, flowers, chocolates, perfume, as long as the gift does not exceed under £50, including VAT, and it meets all of the other criteria, it will class as trivial, and there'll be no tax consequences. For the business, the VAT is recoverable, and for corporation and income tax, it is deductible. Now, directors. HMRC have twigged that a lot of you are owner-managed businesses, and to make sure that there is no abuse of the trivial gift system, directors are capped at £300, including VAT of gifts per year. There are certain other benefits you can provide to employees which are not taxable, and this is a good way to incentivize staff as well as being tax efficient. Some examples are payments for business mileage in the employee's own car, and we covered that earlier, employer payments into a registered pension scheme, medical treatment to help an employee return to work if they've had an absence of at least up to 28 days, and this is up to a maximum cost of £500. This may be particularly relevant because of long COVID. One health screening assessment, one medical checkup per year, meals provided in a staff canteen or light refreshments at work, 
parking provided at or near your place of work, nursery places for children or childcare vouchers, removal and relocation expenses up to a maximum of £8,000 per move, one mobile phone per employee, but they must be registered in the employer's name, Annual social functions for employees provided that in any one tax year, the total cost does not exceed £150 per head, including VAT. There are a few more rules around this, so listen to Season 1's episode called How to Crack the Christmas Tax Code for more information about this. You could also look at getting a pool car. This is a vehicle made available for use for more than one employee, and it has very limited to no private use and it must be kept overnight at the place of work, not at an employee. Expenses that are paid or reimbursed, and we looked at those earlier, that's your entertaining, your subsistence, etc. This also includes any office equipment that has been bought for home working. And lastly, any additional household expenses incurred while your employees are working from home. And this can include contributions towards electricity, heating or broadband. And HMRC, as usual, have a flat rate which you can pay, which is £6 per week. Next, we'll move on to company cars. Historically, company cars were given to everyone as a way to incentivise them either to start working or for reward of good work. Now, with all the rule changes, company cars are not tax efficient unless they are fully electric. This is because if you provide a company car, your employee will be taxed annually on the list price of that car. And this can be very expensive. If you want more information about how company cars are taxed, then please listen to season one's episode called Go Green for Greta Thunberg. The alternative options to company cars are to have the pool car that we looked at earlier for your viewings, or to reimburse the mileage costs, but employees have to use their own cars. So that's your day-to-day -day considerations. So let's move on to your client considerations. And this is how to market yourself above your competitors. Now you've got two income streams, so we're gonna split these into those two. Let's first look at your property landlords. The government doesn't like landlords, so it seeks to penalize them through the tax system. Individual landlords used to be able to deduct mortgage interest payments from their tax bills, but you cannot do this anymore. Some relief is given, but it is restricted. The biggest question I get is whether their portfolio should be transferred into a company. Now, you are not qualified to comment on this, but make sure you pass them over to a trusted advisor. They'll need to talk to a tax advisor and also a mortgage broker to see whether this is feasible. Secondly, I always get told that their tax bill is too high, either because of VAT they can't recover or their tax. Make sure you have an advisor that you feel comfortable referring to, to see if they can help your clients. Next, you have property sales. And I cannot stress this enough, that the sales particulars are key. They're looked at in the tax courts, so we as advisors and your clients need them to be correct. And the main reason for this is stamp duty land tax. And this is the biggest cost for purchasers. There are potential ways that your purchasers can make savings. So there's certain things you need to look out for and that should also be identified in your sales particulars. So we'll go through those now. Firstly, is the property habitable? That means can someone live in it? If not, is it in such a state of disrepair 
that it's not safe or it's not feasible for someone to move into it. Secondly, does it have an annex for an elderly relative or the potential to be used as an Airbnb or let out? Thirdly, if a house has excess land, is that land being used commercially? This means is it farmed, grazed, rented to a small business, etc.? And lastly, is there any commercial use of any time in the property? For example, a house that has converted part of it for a business. I usually see the bottom floor has been converted to a dentist surgery, dog groomers or a hairdresser's. If you identify any properties like this, reach out to an expert to see if they can help. The way I work with my clients is, I help identify the points to highlight in the sales particulars and estimate the tax savings based on the sales price. Agents pass over my details to their buyers and if they decide to go ahead, I engage directly with them, not with the estate agents. But why should you look out for these things? Well, if your buyers can save money on their purchase, you can market the property at a higher price. This increases your commission and it makes your client happy while giving a good service to the buyer who's made a saving that they're unlikely to have been aware of. If you have overseas purchases, there are two key items you need to be aware of. The first one is, last year a new stamp duty land tax 2% non-resident surcharge was implemented. This is an extra liability to the purchaser of 2% of the total purchase price on top of their usual liability. This is something to flag to them early on. This is something to flag to them early on as they're unlikely to have heard of it and it may cause buyers to pull out of an offer if their bill is going to be too high and they haven't budgeted for it. The second item is for companies. If you have an overseas company buying UK property, there is going to be a new register and it's going to be implemented imminently. The ultimate owners will need to be declared a company's house. This may cause delays for purchases once introduced as there's likely to be a few teething problems. So why are they doing this? Well, it's to prevent criminals using UK property to launder their money. We've covered a lot today, so what are the points to take away? Firstly, make sure you're claiming your business expenses, which are paid for personally. Secondly, be aware of the tax-free ways to reward your staff. Thirdly, have a tax advisor on hand to refer your clients to when they have tax questions. And finally, an awareness of tax savings can help you with your competitiveness. If you are an estate agent or are thinking about setting up your own business, then make sure you listen to my interview with Jeff Doble, the founder of Dexter's Estate Agency. We discuss his journey, how and why he set up Dexter's, lessons learned along the way, and advice to his younger self. Jeff was away skiing at the time, so we couldn't get a strong enough signal for the video, but the audio is available on your usual podcast platform or the website, which is www.taxablewithtash.co.uk. Please remember to click subscribe, follow on socials and share this episode with your friends. Have a great week. You are listening to Tax Able with Natasha Heron. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please click subscribe to listen to new episodes as they're released. Make sure you're following on Instagram, TikTok and the newly launched YouTube channel.
You are listening to Tax Able with Natasha Heron. Welcome back to Series 2 of Tax Able with Tash. During this season, I will take you on a deep dive into 12 different industries. Each industry has its own tax consideration and complexities. Together, we will discuss key points to help you feel empowered about tax for your business. In addition to the weekly episodes, I've interviewed a key player within that industry. Want to know how they've achieved their success? Or see whether their journey is similar to yours? Well, make sure you tune in each week. Hello and welcome to Tax Able. Today we are taking a deep dive into the aesthetics industry, specifically looking at injectables. This industry has boomed as it's now the norm for men and women to pop to a clinic for a touch-up. The industry is dominated by owner-managed businesses, as those who are medically trained tend to set up their own practices. A variety of cosmetic and medical services are available, and in my experience, those operating in this industry need to be aware of six key issues. First of all, structure. Should you operate as a sole trader, partnership, or as a company? They're subject to different rules and different taxes. Sole trader and partnerships are subject to income tax. Income tax rates tend to be higher, but the money is in your hands straight away. Companies suffer corporation tax. A company is a separate legal identity. This means the money it earns is the company's, not yours. If you want to get your hands on that money, it needs to be paid out to you via either a salary, which is subject to income tax and national insurance, dividends, which is subject to dividend rates, or a loan, which can potentially trigger something called a Section 455 charge. If you're not familiar with these terms or want to know more information about how to extract money from your company, listen to Season 1's episode called It's My Money, I'll Spend If I Want To, as we look at this in detail. Now, in order to choose the best structure, you need to know what your long-term goals are. If they are to grow the business, perhaps to have multiple clinics, and your profits are likely to be significant, and by this I mean over £150,000 per annum, then a company is likely to be more tax efficient. Please take note though, I've referred to profit, which is your income minus your expenditure, not your sales. If you operate as a one-man band and your profits are very reasonable, but are likely to be under £150,000 per annum, then a sole trader partnership structure may be the way forward for you. What you need to do is look at your projections and run through the potential tax scenarios. Next, you have the clinic, but you need to get it ready. So we'll look at clinic fit out. To operate a clinic, you need the right setup. This means buying lots of equipment, which is expensive. So you need to make sure you maximize your available tax savings. When calculating your tax bill, we will look at your income and your expenditure, i.e. your profit and loss statement. When you buy equipment or do a fit out, the items are recorded on your balance sheet. In order to get tax relief in the year of purchase, the items need to qualify for something called capital allowances. If items do not qualify, then you may get relief when you sell the property in the future. However, if you lease the property, you may not get relief at all as you do not own it. Capital allowances provide tax relief for certain purchases, but there are a lot of rules and case law in this area. The general rule is any equipment or items you can remove from a building are likely to qualify. This means anything affixed, for example, wooden floors, walls, fixed partitions, 
do not qualify as they are part of the fabric of the building. Sole traders and partnerships and companies can qualify for capital allowances. But remember, if you are a company, you've got one more year to qualify for something called the super deduction. And this is great as it gives you an extra 30% of the cost you've spent as a tax deduction when we calculate your tax bill. To avoid any unwanted or unexpected tax bills when you've spent so much on the fit out, you must be sure of your net figure. This means your costs minus your tax relief. What you should do is obtain a schedule of works from your contractor and pass it to your tax advisor to confirm which items will and will not be granted tax relief. Next, we're going to look at funding. This is key as it needs to not only make commercial sense, but you do not want to shoot yourself in the foot by obtaining a schedule of works, checking your tax relief, to then find out that your method of funding has meant that it does not qualify. So let's look at how you can fund your clinic fit out or a refurbishment. First of all, cash reserves. This is great if you've got the cash to do it, the items are added to your balance sheet as you own them, and qualifying items will receive tax relief through capital allowances. Next, you've got a loan. Again, you will be buying the equipment outright. You will receive tax relief through capital allowances and the interest payments are tax deductible. The downside is, if you are a new business, you may not have the trading history in order to qualify for a loan or favorable interest rates. Next, you have something called higher purchase. This is treated the same as the loan option as you will own the equipment. After this, you have operating leases. You may not be able to purchase the fit out using this option as it's generally reserved for temporarily owning specific assets. As you do not own the equipment, you do not get tax relief via capital allowances, but you do receive relief for the monthly lease payments. Finally, you've got a finance lease. These have their own set of rules, usually used for larger fit outs if a loan cannot be obtained. This is quite an expensive option due to the associated interest. You do not receive tax relief through capital allowances, but you do get relief for the depreciation of the items, and it's usually depreciated over the life of the lease. The takeaway from this is that it's a complex area, so gather your options, talk to your advisor, and run through your potential cash flow implications. Tax shouldn't be the driver, but you wanna make sure your option doesn't have any unforeseen consequences. Next, we move on to VAT. This is the most complicated tax and usually the most costly. Please remember this rule. Everything is subject to standard rated VAT unless it falls into a category. It must fall squarely within that category to qualify for either 5%, 0% or be exempt. With exempt, no VAT is charged, but this has a direct knock-on effect for the company and it is completely different to the zero rated VAT category. Although no VAT is charged with zero VAT, it is not the same as exempt. For VAT, we're gonna split this into two parts. VAT on the services to your customers, and secondly, VAT on your purchases. Both affect your cash flow and your profit. So let's first look at services. Why does it matter what VAT rate your services are? Well, firstly, if they're standard rated, you're going to charge your service plus 20% to your customers who cannot reclaim the VAT. This means that it's more expensive to the customer, but it doesn't make any difference to you as the VAT is paid over to HMRC. Secondly, the same with 5%, so you have your service plus 5% plus 
but your industry is not going to fall into this category. Thirdly, if the service is exempt from VAT, i.e. no VAT is charged on the price to the customer, the price is lower, increasing your competitiveness. And fourthly, if the service is zero rated, this is a taxable supply. Even though no VAT is charged, 0% is a VAT rate. And now we have left the EU, the government could easily change that to 1% or 2%. It's just at the moment, it is at 0%. I bet you're thinking, we want all of our services to be exempt from VAT, so we do not need to think about VAT returns. But hold on, there is a knock-on effect. If your service is exempt from VAT, this means that you cannot reclaim any VAT on purchases associated to that service, and you'll also receive a restriction on reclaiming VAT on your other purchases. This means that your purchases are more expensive if you cannot fully reclaim the VAT charged on them. You need to look at each and every one of your income streams and determine the VAT rate to be applied. Your services are not going to fall into 5% or 0%. So the rule of thumb for your industry is everything is either standard rated unless it specifically qualifies for an exemption. So let's look at the exemptions which may be available. Medical exemption. This means a service must be provided for the health and well-being of an individual. Mental health does fall within this category, but it's not clear-cut that instantly all of your services can fall into this. You will need to have clear documentation on each client's situation. For example, you may need a survey or a questionnaire with detailed notes on a client's well-being, plus your comments on the patient's mental health. This will be time-consuming, and it does not mean that HMRC will agree if an inquiry is raised. The best thing to do is to get a VAT review by an expert. For example, Botox. If it's used for a cosmetic treatment, it's standard rated. If it's used for a medical purpose, for example, to relieve migraines, then it will be exempt. If you think about this, it goes all back to the health and well-being of an individual. The next exemption you may have is the land exemption. This is relevant if you're renting a room to other practitioners. This is likely to be exempt from VAT. There are ways to convert this to be standard rated, but you want to look at your overall situation to see whether you want this. And finally, dentistry is exempt from VAT. What you want to do is to sum up all of your taxable income, so that's everything at 20%, and see whether it exceeds £85,000 in a 12-month period. This is why it's important to see whether you do or do not want to convert any rooms you rent out from exempt to standard rated. If your taxable income is below 85,000, then you do not need to be registered for VAT. And this will save you time as returns are not required, but do not forget the impact on your purchases. If you're not registered for VAT, you cannot reclaim the VAT on those. Next, you want to look at purchases. Now these are split into services and goods, and we'll talk about goods first. When you buy a product or equipment, they include a VAT rate based on the product's composition. It's important to remember that the VAT treatment does not flow through to your use of the product. Just because you buy a product with, say, 0% VAT, does not mean that you can then charge 0% VAT to your customer. This is because you are purchasing a good whereas you are supplying a service to your customer and the good is consumed within your service. 
Other services may include things like your accountant's fees, internet charges, legal assistance, subscriptions, and each of these have their own VAT rates. If you've paid VAT on these items, ideally you want to reclaim it back from HMRC. Otherwise, it's an additional cost to your business. Your ability to recover is based on your services. So let's have a look at the options available. Firstly, if all of your services are charged with standard rated VAT, then you can claim 100% of the VAT charged on your purchases. Simple and easy. Secondly, if all of your services are exempt from VAT, then you cannot reclaim any VAT incurred on your purchases. And this is what happens in the dentistry industry. Thirdly, and as you've guessed, if you have a mix of standard rated and exempt sales, then you can only partially reclaim the VAT on your purchases. The technical term is that the company or your business is partly exempt. There are a lot of complex rules in this area and we can only touch upon it slightly today, but it's best you have your accountant or your tax expert assist with the VAT returns. You'll need to understand the recoverability percentage of your business and this will constantly change, so it will affect your cash flow. Next, we move on to your accounts. This is a lighter topic after all of the VAT talk, and it isn't technically a tax topic, but it is vital. Your accounts need to be right. Things need to be recorded correctly, and this is key for when you want to take out your profits or obtain investment. Make sure you have a good bookkeeper who's regularly looking at your accounts. You can either have someone in-house or outsource it. This will not be cheap as it is a full-time job. They will reconcile your bank statements, check your creditors and your debtors, send invoices, process purchases, reconcile supplier statements, deal with your expenses, process your payroll, etc. So there is lots to do. There are good online systems such as Xero or QuickBooks. And there are lots of other providers out there, but I tend to use Xero. What can you do with your records? Well, you can run a profit and loss account to see how the business is performing. And this can be done on a daily, weekly or monthly basis. So the information is in real time. Then you can check who owes you money and who you owe money to. This is helpful for cash flow. Remember, cash is not the same as profit and you need to know the difference. The last topic we'll look at is expenses. You need to make sure that you're claiming all of your relevant business expenses. This means travel to conferences, teaching other practitioners, if you take out potential clients or business contacts, that's known as entertaining, your subsistence, that is your food and drink when you're out and about for a work purpose, any trips abroad if the trips are work-related, and I know that many of you fly out to different countries for conferences and training, you can reclaim all of those costs. People usually miss this as the costs are paid for personally and they don't know that they can ask the company for a refund. If you are a sole trader or partnership, you do not need to worry about this area. Expenses are paid in full as the costs are business related. It's important to claim as otherwise you're paying for work costs out of your taxed pay. We've covered a lot and the key points to take away are First of all, focus on your long-term goals to make sure your structure is aligned. Secondly, capital allowances are good, but not everything qualifies. Thirdly, if you're looking to do a fit-out or a refurbishment or buy equipment, check with your tax advisor to see how much tax relief will apply. Fourthly, make sure you flag up how you're financing your purchases. Fifthly, 
VAT is hideously complex, so get your advisor to do the heavy lifting. Next, real-time information is key for you to monitor your business's profitability and cash flow. And lastly, do not forget about your expenses. The little things add up. If you are in the aesthetics industry or are thinking about venturing into it, then make sure you listen to my interview with Benji Dillon, the founder of Define Clinic. We discuss his journey, setting up his clinic, future plans and advice to his younger self. The audio is on your usual podcast platform. Otherwise, you can head over to the Taxable with Tash YouTube channel. Please remember to click subscribe, follow on socials and share this episode with your friends. Have a great week. You are listening to Tax Able with Natasha Heron. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please click subscribe to listen to new episodes as they're released. Make sure you're following on Instagram, TikTok and the newly launched YouTube channel.